I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. This is The Athletic Hockey Show. What's up, everybody? It is your Tuesday edition of the Athletic Hockey Show. It's Ian Mendes, it's Julian McKenzie, and my goodness, Julian, my man, we have so much to get to. Uh, this is going to be an unbelievable, in fact, look at this, we already got a comment in here as we're streaming live uh, on YouTube. Christopher writes in, I'm sure this is going to be a quiet, uneventful episode. Uh, boy, this is... Ooh, boy. I mean, the news cycle is uh, popping right now. Storylines everywhere. Uh, boy, this is, uh, you know, you talk about, sometimes you think like, ah, at the end of the U.S. Thanksgiving, it's kind of a quiet period in the NHL. This feels like about as newsworthy of a 24-hour period as we've seen since the start of the regular season. Yeah. And just off of the two stuff that we're going to start off with this show, it's just like a bit of a, a bit of a mind-blowing thing to think about. I mean, which one should we start with first? Is it the 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 super, former superstar signing in Detroit, or do we deal with the former superstar who his contract has been terminated? Which one do you think we should pick first? I'll tell you what. Let's go Patrick Kane first, because we talked about Patrick Kane. Well, we talked about uh, Corey Perry as well in the Monday pod, but uh, in Detroit, a, a one-year deal believed to be agreed upon by Patrick Kane and the Red Wings. Chris Johnston. I don't know if you've heard of, of CJ, but Chris Johnston, uh, I believe, may have been the first person with that piece of news. Uh, it, I think it, he was it, the first person with I that think, piece of news. He seems yeah, like I think he beat Elliot Friedman by a, by a nanosecond. But regardless. Oh, yeah. I, in, in the insider group chat, I know for sure CJ is going to celebrate getting the one-up on Elliot Friedman. Absolutely. Yeah. That's how competitive and, those guys are. Yeah, and it's, and it's fun to watch, but... The deal is this Patrick Kane for one year in Detroit, essentially a prorated deal that's going to be, you know, 2.75 million. We talked about this with Mark Lazarus on Monday. Uh, you know, Detroit was the perfect landing spot. They had the cap space. The team is kind of uh, trending upwards. The, 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 the Alex DeBrinkett connection, all of that. Like, how do you look at Detroit now as, you know, they're not in that Ranger, Bruin, you know, Panther echelon. I think when you start to look at the bubble teams that are trying to rise up or teams that are trying to secure a wildcard spot, 
you got to think that Detroit now you take them pretty seriously by getting Patrick Kane. Absolutely. And I think for them, a team that has not made the playoffs in seven years, them making the playoffs, whether as a wild card or anything better, that's progress for this organization, considering the efforts that they've poured into trying to rebuild. So I, I think for Patrick Kane to join this team, that's a really good shot in the arm, I think, for, for that organization. Players like Alex Debrinkin, I mean, who's obviously very familiar with Patrick Kane. And that tells everyone that, hey, you guys have been off to a good start. We're going to get you a guy who's going to help you get to that next level. And everyone on that team now can learn a thing or two from a guy like Patrick Kane, at least in the locker room, at least with regards to playing on the ice, about what it takes to, to get to that next step. I, I, I think purely as an on-ice move, this, this is it's a good move for Detroit. And if this helps them get to the playoffs, even if it might not result in the championship that Patrick Kane may want, uh, or may he at least maybe have as maybe he might have indicated to teams when he was looking for a new home to play in. That I think that's still a positive for for that organization. But you got to remember, like this is Patrick Kane after the hip surgery. After you know, this is serious, uh, you know, procedure that he underwent. This is this is one that often ends athletes' careers. So we'll see what you know, sort of gas is left in the tank for Patrick Kane. But I think if you're a Detroit fan, you feel like okay. The, this is the definitive end of the rebuild. Like you've 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 at least pushed your chips into the middle. For the people that said, uh, you know, Steve Eisenman was super patient and you know was was taking the long road. I think he's gotten this program to a point where he feels like, okay, we're ready to do this. Maybe a year ago or two years ago, he wasn't ready. I don't even think Kane would have signed in Detroit a year or no. two ago, right? Like, but they're off to the good start. They kind of they just got some good mojo going and. You know, that, that's a fan base that's starving for postseason hockey. It's, what, seven years since making the postseason. It's a great, smart hockey market. You're dying for it. So Kane goes there, and, <clears throat> and, and like you said, that's one big story on the Tuesday. The other one uh, kind of came our way just before we went to air here, and uh, we're recording this on Tuesday. And Chicago has announced officially that they are terminating the uh, – contract of, of Corey Perry. They place him on waivers on Tuesday. He will obviously clear. Uh, Chicago did put out a statement, and I know there's been a lot of uncertainty, lack of clarity on what happened with Perry, whatever. And I don't know if this helps. It doesn't help. Uh, I think it does shed a little bit more light into potentially what happened. Here's the statement from Chicago on Corey Perry on Tuesday. Uh, they wrote, quote, after an, uh, an internal investigation, Chicago Blackhawks have determined that Corey Perry has engaged in conduct that is unacceptable and in violation of both the terms of his standard players contract and the Blackhawks internal policies intended to, intended to promote professional and safe work environments. As such, Corey Perry has been placed on unconditional waivers in the event Mr. Perry clears waivers. We intend to terminate his contract effective immediately. Um, you know, it, it like that's a cold, detached, like referring to him as Mr. Perry is a subtle, not so subtle way of like, we are distancing ourselves. Like they're not calling him Corey or we don't wish Corey all the best. It is. He is engaged in, 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 you know, violation of you know conduct that's in violation of team policies. And Mr. Perry, if he clears waivers, is going to have his contract terminated like this. To me, it sheds a little bit more light, Julian. It doesn't tell you exactly what happened, but it does lead you to believe that 
you know, Chicago has reason and cause to terminate Corey Perry here. Um, I'll say this. Uh, while you're right, in some respects, it sheds a little bit of light in terms of the fact that they were able to say that his conduct was unacceptable. This doesn't exactly tell us what happened. And and also, it seems like uh, uh, Mark Lazarus may have tweeted that Kyle Davidson, the uh, Blackhawks GM, will speak with reporters uh, later this afternoon. I'll say this. Considering the rumors that are out there, which we're not going to engage on those, I'm still kind of in the dark about what happened. And yes, this statement does say that he engaged in unacceptable conduct. I still don't know what happened. And I still don't know what to believe. And I'm still, I I, I don't know if we're ever going to hear about what actually happened. And I don't know if we're entitled to that. But in some ways, yes, this statement tells us something. In some ways, I'm still asking a lot of questions about what what's going to happen. And I wonder now with Kyle Davidson speaking to the media, how much is he willing to say about what Corey Perry did to get to a point where, as you mentioned at the end of that statement, they're saying Mr. Perry and they're trying to distance themselves. What did this person do to put himself in that situation? And, and one other thing I'll say too, is what he did so bad enough that no other team's going to want him to play again. He's late in his career. He's not the same player that he was at his peak, but Chicago still felt it was worth having him in their locker room. Is someone else going to look at Corey Perry and say, you know what? What he did is what was what he did, but we're still going to bring him in anyway. I think I think you maybe that's the cynical part in me, but you still have to look out for that. I know you're saying that he'll likely clear. It does make sense that he would, and his contract should be terminated after that. But is someone else going to look at what he did and and say, okay, we're not going to touch this guy at all? I have questions about that. You know, I, I think you, you raise a really good point. And I think because you and I are journalists, we're reporters, you know, we have a natural curiosity and, and we think that maybe we are entitled to those answers of what exactly he did. But, you know, I go back, remember Julian, and I'm just double checking here. Uh, yeah, last month when... Kevin Constantine was removed from his job as a head coach in the WHL in the the junior hockey. Um, I'm just reading. I'm just double checking. I want to get the wording right because it was weird. He was suspended indefinitely after an investigation determined that he violated WHL regulations and policies by making derogatory comments of a discriminatory nature. And I remember thinking like, what does that mean? Like, like, why are you being so vague? I would prefer if if you're going to suspend or terminate somebody, I think you should be allowed to and you should be encouraged to share the story of why. Um, I think that holds them accountable for their words and actions. I you know, I I I think by not knowing what Corey Perry did, there's a little avenue where people will be like, you know, maybe he didn't do something that bad, and it leaves you not sure of what happened. And I think to have some definitive closure on this, and maybe like you said, Kyle Davidson is going to speak after we're done recording and maybe he'll provide that context and the answers. But I do think that there is an obligation from professional organizations to be transparent about why they're parting ways with somebody. If they did something so egregious, then highlight what they did, say that it was wrong and you don't believe in it and you're cutting ties with them rather than keeping it uh, kind of in in kind of in a vagueness, you know. Oh, and 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 to and to that point, 
of all organizations to be under that spotlight and to be demanding right. to show transparency, Chicago, we all know about the Kyle Beach story and the unfortunate nature of that and everything that's come out from that. And as we talked about with Mark yesterday, they, they do not deserve the benefit of the doubt when it comes to how they've come along in terms of being transparent. This Kyle Davidson press conference will ultimately show how much they've learned from 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 that past transgression and how they've tried to if they've tried to improve their efforts at being transparent on those types of stories since i think that press conference is going to be interesting because of what we could learn about the Corey perry situation but also how much has this organization learned with handling stories like this and being transparent with the media and their and their people one thing I'll say before we, we I know we got to duck out of here and, and Joe Smith's going to come in because there was a time in the last 24 hours when the Minnesota Wild were the story of the league and then all this other stuff happened. Oh, yeah, right. Uh, I, I wonder, uh, and this is a great question posed by our producer, Jeff. Uh, how does this affect Corey Perry's Hall of Fame credentials? And I'll, and I'll say this. I think he was a bubble guy at best. Like, like. And and I and I'm gonna bring up two other quote unquote bubble guys that I think have had their Hall of Fame credentials or candidacies sort of, I guess, diluted or compromised. One would be Theo Fleury, yeah. and the other would be Jeremy Roenick. Both of whom I think, when you look at it on balance, if you were just going to Hockey Reference, you would look at their stats, you would look at the numbers, you look at their peak seasons, you say, boy, that guy's a Hall of Famer. Then you would fold in some of the off-ice stuff. With Roenick, it was unfortunate comments he made about Catherine Tappan. In the case of Theo Fleury, it's just been a, a bunch of polarizing and, and you know comments or whatever. And you can't help but think that those two things have, those two players, sorry, have been kept out of the Hall of Fame based on those off-ice things. I can't help but think that Corey Perry might fall into the same bucket, Julian. I, that's an interesting way of, of looking at it. I, I think the fact that he was already a bubble case to begin with I wonder about that. I mean, this is not a player who has reached a thousand points yet, but he has a heart trophy to his name. He has a rocket Richard to his name. He's a triple gold club member. He won a, he's, he's, he's won everything he could win uh, as a pro hockey player in the national hockey league and at the Olympics as well. So on his resume, I mean, if he was able to finish out his career and get to that a thousand point threshold, it might be a lot easier to put him in, in the hockey hall of fame. If this is the incident that keeps him from playing again, and this is a guy who's who's been in the league since like 2005, 2006. He's 38 years old. He doesn't have that much mileage left. This could essentially be the thing that that keeps him out. Whereas the other players, you could say that they had done so much in their peak where you could look at their credentials and say, hey, you know what? Maybe their resume on their own should be good enough. Corey Perry, you could look at his resume and maybe have a genuine debate, I think. And if this is the... Whatever the instance is, if this is what keeps him from playing again, that might be enough to shut him out. But I don't know. That's maybe that's a very immediate take, and maybe you need more time distance from that because that's also going to play into that too. If Corey Perry retires after this, and then you go through the three-year waiting period or however long it is, and then you look at his resume, I wonder how much of what conversation are we having about him then? There's something about time that allows us to kind of forget about things that happen immediately in the moment and then we just look at a guy and then it's going to be like a oh yeah right what happened in chicago that it led to the end of his career i i wonder what that will be like for him in the next how many years 
Yeah, no, that's a, that's an excellent point. Like I said, though, we got Joe Smith standing in the on-deck circle. So why don't we step out for a second? We'll come back. We'll talk about the firing of Dean Evison with our wild beat guy, Joe Smith. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, um, let's bring him in. Joe Smith, uh, here we go. He's my traveling companion, by the way, Julian. I hung out with Joe Smith in Arizona at the end of October and in Stockholm in November. Joe, where will December take us? Our tr- the, the traveling duo, Mendez and Smith. Where should we go that's nice in December, right? Want to oh. meet me in Tampa in January? Maybe for like a long week there or something like that? Like a Tampa yeah. sunrise trip or something like that? How about we go somewhere like that? That'd Let's be great. do it. Let's do it. The power couple, uh, Ian Mendez, Joe yeah. Smith. But yeah, but listen, we, we're, we we got you on because it's funny because obviously Corey Perry and, and Patrick Kane on Tuesday have dominated the news cycle, but Monday that news cycle belonged to the Minnesota Wild. And Joe, in both those trips that I took with you, both in uh, out to Arizona and over to Stockholm, we had a lot of conversations about Dean Evison and about the Wild, and it felt like something was going to be imminent. So what was the breaking point here? Why did they finally decide to part ways with Dean Evison on uh, on Monday? Well, it's a good question. I think as of like about a week or so ago, kind of the, the leaning was to like, let's give this a little more time. Uh, as, as we wrote in The Athletic, uh, General Manager Bill Guerin kind of laid into the team the Monday before their trip to Stockholm, you know, kind of talked to each player and the team as a whole, like, hey, let's just, you know, you need to step up individually as a group still believing that they could turn it around and they haven't won a game since then. Oh, two and two. And so I think as the losses piled on seven in a row now and 13 of 16, uh, Garen and obviously the, the owner Craig Leopold who haven't used the word rebuild rebuild in their whole entire time. They've been here firmly believe that there's still a chance that the season could be salvaged. And in a Western conference that might be good up top, but I'm in a mushy middle, they can chance to make the playoffs. So, there was a time was now to make something had to change. They felt and the change they can't trade twenty three players, as Bill Guerin said today. But you can fire a coach, and Dean Evison was the guy that was let go along with Bob Woods, who ran their penalty kill, which was the worst in the NHL this year. So obviously, big changes there. They play the St. Louis Blues tonight, uh, Predators Thursday, and Blackhawks Saturday. So three divisional teams. You win those three, all of a sudden you have a a better chance um, to get up in the standings. But yeah, clearly. Um, you know, Everson paid the price for an underachieving team considering they want, had 100 points each of the last two seasons. Did Everson lose the room? Was there something between him and players? Uh, we get it's easy to fire a coach in those instances, but how did the players take this? They all felt bad. Like, I mean, anytime you've been, if you've been in the cover league a long time, you know that anytime their coach gets fired, the first thing that the guys say is, hey, we feel bad. We let them down. You know, 
they you can't fire the players, you can fire the coach. So they all felt felt bad individually, called it a wake up call for the group um, to do it. But I never got a sense that they quit on Dean Evanston. I never got the sense that they stopped trying or the work ethic wasn't a problem. I think for the group, I think it was execution. Uh, I think they lost their confidence and their the kind of swag, I guess, in themselves. Right, like once. The harder they tried, the the worse it got. It seemed like, and the same answers were coming from the the locker room every game. Of you know, we need to be better. We need to be accountable. It's on us. You know, once you start hearing all that stuff, and the coach kind of has less answers than than he than he should, and maybe starts calling out players publicly, then you know they're kind of near the end of the road there. So, uh, John Hines was brought in, a guy that Bill Guerin knows known for a long time since their both days in the Pittsburgh organization, Wilkes Bar. Um, so. Uh, we'll see if this can be the spark that they needed um, to get back going in the Western Conference. But um, anytime you see a coach, multiple coaches lose their jobs, it's not a uh, a great feeling around the room. You know, you mentioned, Joe, that uh, John Hines comes in and the obvious, you can draw the easy line between him and Bill Guerin. So it's not hard to figure out why that uh, decision was made. But I'm wondering how that choice has gone over with the fan base because, you know, fans will often have their favorite we should have hired this guy. This is like, is like, how, what's the feeling like on Heinz? And is there somebody that they, that they didn't bring in that people are like, I wish they, they brought in that guy to be the coach. I, I think it's typically underwhelming from a fan perspective. Like I think for all the fans that wanted Dean Everson fired, not like John Cooper was going to leave the lightning and all of a sudden join the, the Minnesota wild or Scotty Bowman was going to come out retirement and coach Minnesota wild. There's not a lot of names out there. Like no names. Like obviously Gerard Gallant's one, that's bounced around and had that pedigree. Uh, Jay Woodcroft got let go like a few weeks ago from the Oilers. But uh, unless you wanted to go kind of the younger, uh, kind of up and coming approach to so Chris Knobloch, of course, with the Oilers, um, there are not a lot of kind of known guys, not talking about Joe Quenville at all. It's you either. So I think a guy that Garen has known for a long time, comfortable with, a guy who's had experience coming in um, mid season to spark a team like he did with the Predators a few years back, if you remember. Um, obviously he's been fired too. So not like it's like a perfect choice or a slam dunk choice, but a guy that, that Garen has, this is the first time he's hired his guy, right? He inherited D Davison, gave him an extension, um, without doing a coaching search. And so he's kind of, this is his guy now and he's going to ride with it and see if he can kind of build the confidence of the players that, uh, have had some trouble so far this year. By the way, Shada Goldman has a uh, column about John Hines and it's titled Goldman. John Hines <laughs> isn't the solution to what really ails the wild. What do you know about John Hines in terms of him as a person and, and also his coaching style? And does it seem like it's a fit for what the players, uh, for what the, for what this, this roster in Minnesota consists of? Well, you know, he's a very detail oriented coach. Um, the players I've talked to have played for him said he's been really good as far as the details uh, on the penalty kill and, you know, defend defending, which are two things that the wild definitely need to improve on. Um, very engaging guy, good personality, um, guy from the Boston area, obviously a, a B, uh, you know, two Boston guys with, uh, with Garen and, and Heinz together. Um, so I, I think maybe just a, a fresh voice, different voice, kind of a kick in the, in the rear, so to speak that for the players to know that they have, once the, the, the coach gets fired and, and brought a new one, the pressure's on them, of course, to, to make a difference. So, um, I think he's going to focus on trying to build the confidence of each player and find one or two things with each one that's kind of not been working or should be working and going from there. So um, I don't think he's a huge like 180 from what Dean Evanston brought. He still wants to be defensive orientated. He still wants to be 
a hard team to play against. He wants to, he also wants the players to be creative offensively, which is going to be so important for a team that's been so starved for scoring, especially with the two best players offensively, Matt Boldy and Kapoor Priestoff, having underwhelming seasons so far. Yeah, and and I wanted to expand on that for a second because Bo- I think Boldy's got one goal, Kaprizov, uh, he's got six, but you know. He's a guy that you, you think of as a 40-goal guy, so he's only on pace for, whatever, 25. Um, like, is there a feeling like it was a tactical issue with them, that that's why they weren't, uh, you know, maybe feeling it offensively and that the new voice can come in? Like, like because I, I think Boldy in particular, they, they they gave this guy a huge contract. They feel like he is a, a core piece, and it, this has just been a really tough start for him. I don't know if it's a tactical thing because, like last year, like Kaprizov scored forty goals, right? And Boldy scored thirty-one goals last year, and that was the same system, the same coach, right? Um, they didn't forget how to score, forget how to be dynamic players. Um, but when you're the head coach and your top players aren't your best players, then all of a sudden, and your goaltending isn't up to snuff, that all of a sudden you become kind of a less smart coach in that instance. So um, I know towards the end, uh, Everson was probably more publicly critical of his top guys even this last day as head coach on Sunday that some guys aren't, um, you know, pulling their weight, so to speak, and public critical Matt Boldy. So um, clearly towards the end, you could sense that the pressure, kind of the frustration was getting to him, kind of pulling all the strings and practices and tweaks and everything else to where everything was getting it done. So maybe with a little breath of fresh air with the new coach, maybe he builds them up, maybe um, just gets them to kind of reset and make a new chapter, new uh, fresh, fresh look at things might get them going, but um, honestly, it's up to them because, you know, they're going to drive this team offensively. They're now, uh, they have $50 million of dead cap space right now. So they could, they've got another forward defense and they don't have that for the next couple of years. So they have what they have and this the team that they believe in and they hope that they can pull it around. And, uh, John Hines will have to start his, uh, Minnesota wild coaching tenure without Ryan Hartman, who, uh, got suspended after a tripping incident with him and Alex to bring uh, what did you think of that instance and, in, and in the suspension that came after? Well, uh, Hartman's a repeat offender, so you kind of sense that there'd be a, a, a multiple game suspension there, and I think it's just more telling of kind of the frustration with both him and and the dressing room. Right, the team's struggling. You're losing seven straight. You're in a game in Detroit where you kind of control a lot of the play, five on five, but give a couple power play goals and just lose the game. Um, kind of kind of like one of those uh, recipe that they've happened this year. So I can see the rest the frustration building with Ryan Hartman, a very emotional, play on the edge kind of player. Um, you can hear when he talks after the games, like enough talking, let's go out and do it. So, um, obviously tough for them because they have no cap space. Um, so they had to call Vinny Letary today, maybe play 11 and seven in some cases because they don't have the cap room to call up the top prospects. They only have like 800 grand in cap space. So that means some of their best offensive prospects they can call up right now. So that's where they're in. So no changes can be made kind of trade wise for this group. Um, they signed all their guys extensions in the preseason. Felino, Hartman, Zuccarello. So they really don't have any major trade ships at the deadline. So their focus was, this is a playoff team. They should be a playoff team. Let's see if they can turn it around. Because um, the, the only change they could make was the coach because the, the, the roster is pretty much set at this point. Well, before we let you go, Joe, I know I used to mention uh, John Hines will make his debut behind the bench tonight. So do you and Mike Russo, you play like rock, paper, scissors to see who writes the game story? Who like How do you guys determine that? Because you both do an excellent job covering the Minnesota Wild. So how do you guys figure that out? It kind of goes day by day. Like today I wrote a column um, off the press conference and Garen kind of the focus shifts towards him after the, the coaching change and the chip that he played there. And then, and, and Mike's going to do a story on, on John Hines. And then obviously off the game, uh, see what happens there. And I'll be in the, in Nashville for Thursday's game where Hines returns to, to play 
a team that um, he used to coach. So we split the road trips 50-50 and then the game of stories and stuff like that. We kind of back bounce back and forth and see who wants to write what. But it's been a good collaboration. And obviously we wondered all summer why it was such a, a boring summer to write about nothing, you know, right? No free agency signing, no big <laughs> deals. And all of a sudden, nothing to write about. And all of a sudden, everything's right about. You know, we had four stories yesterday in the athletics. So it's one Be of those careful what you wish for, Joe. Careful what you wish for. You just might get it, right? Yeah. So. Oh, exactly. Well, the two of you have done a phenomenal job, not only this week, but all season long uh, covering the Minnesota Wild. Uh, listen, thanks for dropping by and filling in for Russo on the pod today, and I'm sure we'll get you again real soon. Sounds good. Thanks so much for having me, guys. And Ian, let's pencil in that Tampa trip next 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 next, uh, next month. So we'll get yeah, that going. There in you go. We'll escape Minnesota and Ottawa when it's cold. Sounds good. Love thanks, it. guys. Take care. Yeah, you too. It's a date. Me and Joe Smith. I don't mind hijacking that trip, by the way. Florida seems pretty nice. Yeah. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Don't just ride the index. Seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. Sometimes right. hockey you can get like that. That's part of why the game's so darn great because it's graceful and beautiful and, and physical and angry at all at the same time. So it's good. It's good. Probably good for both teams. They can both, you know, you get to get to make it part of the story of your year. That's us dropping a Paul Maurice soundbite into the pod. Uh, that's Maurice after a real weird uh, third period last night in Ottawa where a bunch of guys got misconduct penalties. Guys were going thrown out left, right, center, and it was just, it was bananas. Maurice is one of the best quotes in the game, and he's like, that's something at the end of the year you'll look back and enjoy. But it was it was weird, Julian. The, 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 the ref yesterday was like, came out, and he's like, everybody on the ice gets a 10-minute misconduct penalty. I've never heard that before. I, you know, it's funny. I was watching uh, the Flames at the same time, and uh, one of my uh, colleagues, Aaron Vickers, we, he was showing me the video of the referee doing yeah. that. And, and someone had posted a meme. You know that you know, that popular Oprah meme where she's all like, you get a car, and you get a yeah, car. And they yeah, did yeah, it yeah. where it's like, you get a 10-minute misconduct. You get a 10-minute misconduct. What the heck was 
was going up. Then there's like that video of 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 Matthew Kachuk going at uh, Jake Sanderson and Jake Brady Sanderson. Kachuk is yelling from the bench. Like, I mean, we'll, we'll eventually get to to my game and why that was interesting. But like, it seemed like it was a very fascinating game to to watch. Julian, for a five nothing game, it was super compelling. There was a lot of uh, animosity and bad blood. Zach McEwen went after uh, Matt Kachuk and got thrown out of the game. By the way, McEwen told me today he thinks he'll get a call from George Peros. He's not 100% sure about a suspension or whatever, but you know he got thrown out of the game. Maybe that'll be enough. But the thing I want to talk about is this real quick, because I know the Calgary game had a real fun wrinkle to it. With an, uh, an e- Anytime we have a chance to talk e-bug, we got to talk an e-bug. But, Absolutely. You know, I'll be honest with you. I walked out of the arena last night. Ottawa loses 5-0. They get booed off the ice. There were loud chants uh, calling for DJ Smith's job again on home ice. I'll be honest with you. I walked out of the arena with other reporters yesterday. And I thought that's it. Like that is it. There's like it'll be awfully hard to come back from all of this for DJ Smith. And so I went to bed. I woke up and I thought, okay, keep the phone by you because you're going to get a text or you're going to see an alert and there's going to be something that happens. And nine o'clock came, and ten o'clock came, and eleven o'clock came, and then I went to the arena. And eleven twenty-six, DJ Smith walked out onto the ice, and I thought, my goodness, this is, this is, this is interesting. And so, you know what? I I think what's happening here is we have a push and pull situation at play, a, a mechanism at play. Mm-hmm. You have a very angry, irate, passionate fan base who is absolutely tired of being stuck in. This sort of perp- in this uh, purgatory almost of you're not good enough to be a playoff team and now you're too good to be a, a, a top five draft pick team, whatever. And they're frustrated by it. And then you have a brand new ownership group in Mike Anlauer and Steve Steos who have just come in and they are being super patient, super meticulous. And they're like, guys, we just got here. We've been here for two months. And they're like, we just want. So there it's 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 these two things are meeting each other now the patience the meticulousness and the sort of the calmness of mike antlauer and steve steos is meeting head-on with the venom the toxicity and the anger of a fan base that has missed the postseason in six consecutive years and these two things do not get along with each other and so i think the only thing i will say is that it, it became abundantly clear to me that if, if you weren't going to fire DJ Smith after losing 5 nothing on home ice, then I think it's safe to say he's safe in the here and now. Here and now means like the next couple of weeks. Like, like, like if they were on the fence about this guy and that game didn't push them over the edge, then he's not going anywhere in the here and now. That's my takeaway from it. Like, okay. and, and also, Julian, they don't yeah. have a general manager. No. They don't have a GM. So there's also a line of thinking that, you know, let's let let's bring in a general manager and that guy can make the call on the head coach and bring in his own person. I, I that might be a part of it too. But it became clear to me when you get smacked around, like Julian, it was capital E embarrassing last night. That was a that was that was a terrible performance by Ottawa. I I never want to. I will never question players uh, in like sort of their integrity and their, their will to win. I'm not questioning that. I'm just questioning their ability to execute because they couldn't execute and it was atrocious. And if you can survive that, I don't think you're going anywhere in the here and now. And that's just, that's my feeling on it. 
DJ Smith already got a vote of confidence earlier this year, right? Because he, not the fir- because this is not the first time that you felt that DJ Smith was going to be at the end of that firing line. And it got to a point where the organization had to step out and say, we are sticking behind this guy. And maybe this is just because I'm I'm not in Ottawa. But when I saw that happen, that made me think, okay, they're sticking by this guy through thick and thin here. Seeing them lose to Florida, that made me say, well, they had their chance to, to let go of DJ yeah. well early in the season. And they said that they weren't going to do that. So the fact that they're sticking with him, that tells me that there's this yearning for some kind of stability, at least for this season, as everyone in the new ownership transitions over. And it doesn't mesh because this was supposed to be a year where the Ottawa Senators were supposed to make the playoffs, which is something we said the year before. And I think Pierre Dorian, when he was still GM, might have even thought that the year before that too. So I think when you get to a point where you've been starving for this playoff success and you look at all these players and all these good things that are happening and you don't have to worry about the sins of the previous ownership, the fact that it's not working and you have this new ownership that's coming in that's, I think they're right to be patient and they're right to kind of take their time about things and not just rush and jump the gun. Yeah, that's why it doesn't work. That's why it's not meshing and that's why people are so frustrated by this. At this point now, uh, a month ago, I would have thought, okay, DJ Smith is going to be gone. Now, entering Christmas, at this point, if he can't, you're right, if he can't get fired after a loss to Florida the way that has, at this point, I think it's going to take, it might just take players stepping up and going to ownership themselves because they don't have a general manager. It might take that for, for a change to happen. And maybe the opposite is happening too. You would know better than me, but I, I would have to imagine someone in that locker room would have to step up and say enough is enough with this guy. Yeah, and I, and I think unless it's a Claude Giroux or a Brady Kachuk, and I, I have every reason to believe that they still believe in the coach, it's not going to happen from from that perspective, right? Look, the only thing I'll say on this, and I, I, I got to write a column. I feel like I'm going to put this line in there, but it's like, I think Mike Andlauer and Steve Stales, they just wanted to dip their toe into the water and kind of see what's going on. And Ottawa fans are like, no, man, you got to run and jump and do a cannonball. And it's oh, like, yeah. it, it, it's two opposite things at play here. You have a super patient owner and a new president of hockey operations, and you have a rabid fan base. And I think that's why we're seeing uh, some of this uh, stuff play out uh, in Ottawa. Ebug, my favorite <laughs> phrase in hockey. <laughs> Dustin Nickel, right? Was the uh, gentleman's yes. name? Dustin, Dustin Nickel. Dustin, so, Dustin Nickel or Dusty Nickel, uh, both are. Yeah, accepted. let's go. Like, like, when did you first realize? Because uh, Vladar played last night, right? Uh, Correct. Dan Vladar uh, played, and and, and and yes. Oh, so I thought what, you were like, say how something. did you? Yeah, yeah. No, no. I just want to know, like, when did you realize this was an Ebug situation? Okay, so let me play out the events of the evening for everybody here. So I got to the arena, I want to say close to like 5.30. And for those who are not familiar with the Scotiabank Saddle Dome, there's like a little parking lot area that you park in. And then you, for me anyway, I walk along the parking lot area, I go through this gate, and I go to this back entrance at the dome. And there's a security guy at the front that I see. And like we we we, we talk every now and again. And I'm like, hey, man, like, how's it going? What do you think the prediction is going to be for this game? And he looks at me and he's like, I saw Jacob Markstrom leave. And I'm like, what? So my first thinking is, okay, like, what is going on? Like, and why would you? 530. So like 
90 minutes, whatever, two hours before the game. Yeah. Yeah, two hours before the game. They were like, why would Jacob Markstrom be gone? Like, that doesn't make any sense. Then another reporter, so I'm up at the the press box level now, and another reporter from another outlet is up there, and he's like, yeah, I heard he's not here too. So we're all kind of looking out at warm-up trying to think, okay, why wouldn't Jacob Markstrom be here? And then we see the update from the team saying, okay, Markstrom is ill, and he has to go. And because it happened after the 5 p.m. local time roster transaction deadline, which means they couldn't call up Dustin Wolf, which is the Dustin that I think a lot of Flames fans expected to see on the bench. Dusty Nickel is the guy, the e-bug in that situation. And, and I've seen Dusty around the dome a couple times. You know, you, you see him just like his suit and everything. And he's there just to like, you know, just in case someone needs that e-bug. But to see him step out onto the ice with his helmet, and his uniform, like that was just like a bit of a surreal thing. Like, we knew Dan Vladar was going to start, and it was going to take a lot for, for Dan Vladar to not play that game. And I'll tell you this, there were three separate instances in that game against Vegas yesterday where he got barreled into, someone knocked him in his head, and his helmet came off. Mackenzie Weger, like slipped into him, and there were all those instances, and we're thinking, Oh my God, Dusty Nickel might have to actually play in this game. It did not happen, but I mean, it was still just kind of fascinating to kind of at one hand, at one end, be like, "Oh man, you hope that Dan Vladar's not hurt," but at the other end, you're like, "Well, you know what the story is if Dusty Nickel gets to play in this game." And to talk to him after the fact, he was just so happy to be there. He was really just grateful for the opportunity. He himself only learned at like five thirty local time that he was going to get that opportunity. He says he lives close enough to the domes. We got there for six. He signs the tryout agreement. He gets on his stuff. He's out there for warm up. The best part of warm up, or I shouldn't say the best part, but the most notable part for warm up for me is seeing him just kind of do his thing, do his stretches. He gets a moment where he takes shots. And he, at one point he just kind of skates around in his own end as some of the other flames players just skating around, around in circles and knuckle and, and nickels around the boards. And Michael Backlund kind of comes out of nowhere and then bam, like runs, runs into him along the board. You're like, oh my God. Like it's just it's kind of like a starstruck feeling. He just kind of doesn't pay attention for a second. But like it was just kind of a funny thing to notice. There were so many things that happened with that experience. And it felt like it was kind of, at least in the way that I wrote it, sort of lost in the fact that Dan Vladar played the best game he's played of the season. Uh, Mackenzie Weger scored the overtime winner, and that's a guy who, at the end of overtime, just had like nothing left. Uh, AJ Greer is like a fourth line player who has actually turned into a solid waiver wire pickup for them. Scores a tying goal. They all they do this against the reigning Cup champions too. There's so many other stories that are are noteworthy from that game, but Dan Vladar ends up being the star of that game, and Dusty Nickel at the end of it all, uh, getting to talk to him and just getting to know his story too. That was also a fun part in this as well. Oh, I, and I love that name, Dusty. I, I, it's one of the best hockey names I've ever heard. Ever. Do you want a shiny quarter? No, no. I want a Dusty Nickel. Like I love it. Like I, it's <laughs> yeah. such a good name. Like it's a it's, great name. It's elite. Like I, and anyway, I I'm trying to come around on the e bug thing. I'm telling you, man, it's stuff yeah. like that that's fun. This I know. Dude I know. Had taught, he got the he got a text from the goalie coach at like five thirty. He has enough time to text his dad be like, hey, I think I'm dressing. Dude only had a banana. Could you imagine if that dude had to step up and play in that game? And he's all, like other guys talk about like oh. eating chicken parm okay. and all these no, hang on. before hang dinner. On. My man only had a banana. That's what he told but, us. Well, if you got told 
you have 90 minutes before you're going to go and potentially suit up in an NHL game. I'm not eating anything with cheese. I'm not eating it. I am. The banana seems like the safe approach. I would eat bananas and like a banana bar. Like Like, I'm going in one banana. Like like, I'm not going in with chicken parm and pasta and and I'm nervous too. I mean, I guess so. I I I I understand that, but like being. I mean, then again, you know what? You might be so nervous, you just you just can't eat. I guess I could understand that. Saying. I like, guess you're I'm, right. I can understand that. I guess. Yeah, a banana is. It seems like the smart call. Seems but like also, like call. you know, you need a bit. I mean, then again, it, this is a guy who hadn't played a competitive game of any sort since like 2012. So d- arguing back and forth about whether or not a banana is sufficient for him to play in an NHL game is probably a moot point. Oh man! Hey, let's wrap up uh, on on Monday. The NHL announced the plans for the All Star Weekend coming up in Toronto. It's going to be a three day event, Julian. Yeah, and uh, one of the cool things is that the PWHL is going to be involved. There's going to be like a three on three team showcase there that's taking place. That's cool. Uh, we got the return of the draft, meaning the all-star players. So there'll be four captains that will choose teams with the help of a celebrity co-captain. And, and we, we, we can talk about that in a second, but the one concern that that I think the, the NHLPA had was we don't want the draft happening like back when Phil Kessel was the last pick and it was you know everyone mocked them or whatever. So what they're going to do is the draft continues, but once it gets down to f- the last four guys, they just get randomly assigned to the four teams and then the draft ends. Um, do you like this? Do you like the return of the draft? Are you serious about that last part? Are you, what do you serious mean? about yeah, that last part? That, that's, I, that's my last right? four guy. You isn't mean that what? Isn't me. that what they're doing? No, no, no I no, thought that's what they're time doing. Out, time out, time out, time out. Just time out, time out for a second. We hear people talk about how hockey players are some of the most intense, wild athletes out there. I watched a game yesterday where Chris Tanev blocked a puck with his face. He went down on the yes. ground to try to block a shot, and it went off his face, and he went out there. Some of the bravest people, some of the toughest athletes out there. And you mean to tell me that these NHL players can't handle the idea of being picked last in a fantasy draft? What are we talking about here? What are we talking about here? You mean to tell me that these dudes are so caught up in their own ego that they do not want the idea of being the last guy picked in a fantasy draft. Bingo. In a fantasy draft. You are already at the all-star game. You are already considered to be among the best at your profession, but you can't handle being the last player picked in a draft and potentially getting a car to the point where they have to randomize the last four players to get picked. I'm sick of this. This is ridiculous. Get over yourselves, people. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. But wouldn't I'm you sorry feel- that I'm getting wild over such a small no, no, thing I, like I this. It's ridiculous I, that we're at that okay. point. We have to save people's feelings. You mean to tell me we're in an era now where, oh, we care so much about feelings and everyone's so sensitive. Why are people so sensitive? But we have this crap going on. Please, please. I don't want to hear that crap no more. Ladies I don't want to hear that when, when players are doing that. Oh, my uh, God. This is unbelievable. Folks. Boo. Folks. Julian Boo. McKenzie. This he, is stupid. Of the 20-something age demographic has just this? gone off 
about a soft society. It's soft. They're soft. And I don't want to hear anything tell us that my generation is soft or anyone else is soft. If players are going to do this, this is ridiculous. Get over yourselves. People get picked last all the time. It happens in life. People get picked last all the time and they find ways to succeed. And you mean you tell me you can't do that for a fantasy draft in the NHL? Man, get out of here. I don't want to hear it. This makes me so mad. This makes me so mad. You know what I love is sometimes when we do these shows, Danielle, who does a great job kind of doing the video editing for us, she's always looking for like those one to two minute sound bites where somebody goes off on a rant. And I think you just. I'm so mad. I'm just mad. I'm just mad at how people, we we put hockey players on this pedestal of of braveness and and toughness, and they can't handle the idea of being picked last in an all star game competition. Like, so I, I don't get it. Gonna I don't understand There's this. This doesn't make sense teams, to me. Four teams. They pick. And then when there's four guys left, they get randomly assigned. Here's my other issue or question. Okay. There's going to be four celebrity co-captains. And the word celebrity, when it comes to the NHL, it's a very fluid term. <laughs> what's, what's the fear or the concern level that there's going to be at least one, if not multiple celebrities where you're like, I don't know who that is. Uh, it's entirely possible. Didn't they have something similar last year? They had a celebrity portion of the Florida thing. And I mean, Anna Ivanovich was like a tennis, a tennis star. I think was part yeah. of it. There was a tennis star that was there, but everyone else was like, I kind of, you kind of don't really know. We could end up in a situation where like the four celebrity co-captains could be what John Hamm, who I guess is sort of famous, but like, but, but this is in Toronto. So do we factor Wendell that Clark? in? Is Wendell Clark going to be a co-captain? Oh, can't. Wendell Clark's not a celebrity, is he? Yeah, but like, like for, I mean, he's not a celebrity to you and I, but for people at Toronto, he's damn near their daddy. Oh, man. I don't know. You can't have people Wendell Toronto Clark. Is it? Clark. Cele- you, you, then then you got to call them alumni or something. Celebrity Fair. sort Fair. of has a connotation that this is going to be somebody of the film, music, television realm. Doesn't it? Maybe, maybe it's so. So if it's going to get to that point, uh, John Hamm has to be one. Um, forgive me, I forget the actress's name. Jenna Fisher. Who, no, yes, Jen, the office. That, I that that is amazing that you thought of exactly who I was thinking of. Jenna so Fisher. It's all St. Louis Blues fans. Oh, that's, that's it. John Hamm and like, Jenna Fisher. Like John Hamm. Uh, I know producer uh, producer Danielle and Jeff are, are mentioning people. I, I wonder if Snoop wants to be involved after he lost out on owning the Ottawa Senators. That's a really good question. Maybe he would. Maybe he's chill enough. Maybe he's chill about it. Ain't nothing but a G thing, baby. I get it. Um, uh, God, Tate McRae, that really popular singer from Calgary who yeah. uh, has that has the, her album art has like the goalie pads that are on the wrong way that upset so many people online. Oh, man, it triggered and just, like, everybody. It triggered everyone. That's probably a possibility. Pads you, know are on the wrong love, way. you know who I would love to see? who we haven't called on in a long time, but I still think his contributions to making the game popular, uh, you know, should not be understated. Chance the Rapper. You remember Chance that SNL? Chance the Rapper. Remember yeah. as, that's a Brady man who, Shea. yeah, he's fallen on some tough times with his music. He had that big day album from a couple years ago that was just not good, people. It was bad. He basically just talked about how much he loved his wife. And there's nothing wrong with loving your wife, but he just did it in a real corny way. His career has not been the same since. What a way for him to make a comeback than by having him a part of the NHL All-Star Draft. Having the NHL embrace him the way that he did in that sketch, why not just have him do it? Okay, here's what we're going to do. 
Let be a celebrity. At some captain. point between now and maybe in the next week or two, because they're, they're, yes. they're going to probably announce this soon. We are going to come up with our own lists. We're, we'll invite the listeners. Let's see who can get the most number of celebrities right. Yes. I in love there. You yes. pick your four that you really think are going to be there as the all-star co-captains. And we'll see who can go. I, I think they might be able to get Bieber. Like, in Toronto, Justin Bieber would make sense. Bieber yes. feels like they're going to get That's him. a pretty big celebrity, too. Yeah. Like, I, I think they could do it, unless he's like on tour or something. Which I don't know if he... Has he been he's on tour in a while? Feels like he right had, now, I can tell you. Yeah, like Justin Bieber tour. It doesn't seem like Don't act like tour. you don't have it bookmarked, by the way. I mean, here's don't the Don't act like, like, let me go to Google, and uh, it comes up in your autofill. Well, I'll say this. Bieber like, we're tour. at a, We're at a time. We're at a time now where like, Justin Bieber. Oh, he, oh, right. That's true. He had the issue with his face, right? Where like half of it was frozen and he had to cancel a tour. Okay. So he, he might not be available to, to do any of that stuff. Who knows? But that being said, yeah. I'll say this about Justin Bieber. There was a time where it was not cool to like Justin Bieber. And then like he sort of matured a little bit and now it's kind of cool. So like the idea of me having that bookmark, maybe not, but like is not, is not the roast you think it is. Okay, I'll tell you what. As we wrap up, we invite our listeners. Hit us up, theathletichockeyshow at gmail.com. Just give us your four celebrities yes. that you think will end up at the All-Star Game as the captains. Theathletichockeyshow at gmail.com. You can also drop us a voicemail at 845-445-8459. So one of those two ways, hit us up, and maybe next week we'll compile them. We'll, we'll chat them over, and yes. we'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll submit everything. Uh, we want to remind you Wednesday edition of the Athletic Hockey Show as always Sean McAdoo down goes Brown will drop by Jesse Granger will also be by so we got a jam-packed Wednesday show for you want to thank you for listening to the Tuesday edition of the Athletic Hockey Show want to let you know about a deal we've got going on right now you get a one-year subscription to the Athletic for $19.99 or a two-year deal for $39.99 when you visit the athletic.com slash hockey show so that does it for the tuesday show julian and i will be back with down goes brown and jesse granger on wednesday